0: Before I jump into today's message, uh, did you guys hear about the two little young donkeys that were walking in the streets of Jerusalem? You heard about it? Two young donkeys are walking the streets of Jerusalem, and one donkey says to the other, I don't understand. Yesterday, I walked these streets with Jesus on my back, and you wouldn't believe what the people did. They were taking their clothes off and putting it on the floor for me to walk with. They were shouting, they were singing. And, and here I am today, and these guys don't even recognize me. And so the other donkey suit him, yeah, that's how it is, my friend. Without Jesus, you are nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you get it? End of sermon. Let's go home. <laughs> that's basically what it's all about. That's what Easter weekend is all about. Without Jesus, you are nothing. Because you know, uh, that's what, what this, this, this whole message, this whole week uh, reminds us of. We are lost in this life and in the next without Jesus. No matter how much you gain in this world, and we've seen so many examples of this. People may have fame, they may have wealth, they may have power, but without Jesus, there's still something missing. There's still nothing. They're still trying and seeking and wanting something more. We all need Jesus. Amen. We all need Jesus. Like that donkey, without Jesus, we are nothing. Without Jesus' life is, as the preacher said, it is just a, a, a vanity and chasing after the wind. It's never enough. Why am I talking about donkeys? Because donkey, a donkey was central to that Sunday in Jerusalem. And because today, we are going to be taking some lessons from that incident with the donkey and uh, Jesus. We're going to be looking at the donkey and learning from the donkey. You're thinking, Pastor, are you comparing us to donkeys? No. <laughs> no. But there are some lessons we can learn from that donkey. Let's uh, read in Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. I'm going to read it to you quickly. Um, some of the not the whole thing is there, but I'm going to read the whole thing now. When they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt that's a young, young donkey tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and and found a colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing losing the uh, colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Always intriguing this. Is Jesus stealing our donkey? How's, what's going on here? Uh, don't worry, we'll, we'll get back to this now, okay? I wasn't stealing, but you know, we'll get back to it. It's very intriguing. And so they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and Jesus sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down uh, leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed, they cried out saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The guys were euphoric. They were shouting. They were crying. They were claiming Hosanna. And notice this. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. The guys were watching Jesus walking in. Or not walking. Coming into Jerusalem on this donkey, they made connections, man. They understood what this meant, and they got very, very excited. Huh? I, I wonder what the donkey was feeling while the, all this was happening, eh? Oh, I'm such a special donkey. Look at the people are doing, eh? <laughs> or, or maybe he didn't. Now, what we many people don't know, is that possibly on that very same day, but certainly around that same time, there was another parade in in town. Jesus was coming from one side of the city into the city, and from the other side, there was another parade. This parade had horses and soldiers. You see, because around this time, this feast of the Jews... um, the Jews were celebrating what? They were celebrating their liberation from oppression of the Jews, of the, of the Egyptians, remember? They had been slaves in Egypt. The Lord delivered them. And so the Passover is really a historical, political kind of, uh, yes, it's God as well because God did it. So they're thanking God. But essentially, they were celebrating their liberation from the Egyptians. Problem is... When this is taking place, the Jews are again under oppression, this time from the Romans. For almost 100 years now, at this point, the, the Romans have been ruling Israel, the Jews, and they are again under bondage from, the, from somebody else, from another nation. Now, the Romans allowed the Jews to continue with their feasts and celebrations, but the Romans knew that this particular celebration is a very dangerous one. They are celebrating liberation from one nation while under the oppression of another, and they knew this could spark rebellion. So every year, when it was the Passover feast, they would increase their military presence in Jerusalem. You see, Jews would come from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate this. The city was packed, was full of people. And so, to make sure that these guys behaved themselves. The Roman governor would move from his palace in the Mediterranean to Jerusalem. you would live there during this period. Pontius Pilate drove into Jerusalem. There were horse, war horses. There were soldiers with shining uniforms. And swords and spears and bows and arrows. A show, a display of power, of authority, of dominion. They were saying, hey boys, we are here. We rule over you. Behave yourselves, have your feast, praise your God, but do not get up to anything foolish or there will be trouble over here. That's essentially what was happening. And so, at this occasion, we have these two parades. Jesus coming on a donkey and the Romans increasing their presence. It was a show of force to let everyone know who was in charge, who dominates Why did Jesus use a donkey anyway? You see, there was a prophecy. Back in Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, the prophet wrote the following. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly, in other words, humble. And riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. It's a prophecy about the Messiah coming into Jerusalem. And the people were aware of this. Look, it says, he's a humble king. That's why the message today is called humble king. Because it says here, yeah, he's a humble king. He's lowly. He's humble. And he comes on a donkey. He comes on a donkey. You see, those watching these parades, the animal used in each of the parades sent a clear and specific message. Back in those days, a horse was a sign of power, of might, of control, of dominion, of war. It meant behave yourselves or else. But a donkey was a sign of peace, a humble animal. And whenever a person of authority came riding on a donkey, it meant it is peace. Horse power, donkey peace, donkey humility. I'm not coming to make war, I'm coming in peace. That's what Jesus, and that's the message you're sending. And Zechariah's prophecy says that this liberating king, because he says it's going to bring peace. It's going to drive the horse away, the war away. But it says this liberating king would be humble, would be meek. The other parade on the opposite side of the city was all about horses, power, weapons of war. The Lord is meek, lowly, humble. And now, he is God, and he does not really need anything. Yet, he requests the use of a donkey, and he requests of us certain things. He doesn't force it, he asks. And if we won't surrender, he won't force it on us either. He won't impose it. Uh, This is what Jesus taught back in Matthew uh, chapter 20, verses 25 to 26. Jesus said, Jesus called him to himself and said, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You see, in, in, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. You wanna have power? You serve. It's totally the opposite. Of the kingdoms of this world. Of the way that humans, fallen humans, think. For humans, for the kingdom of this world, for this world's systems, to have power means to control, to be in charge. In the kingdom of God, you serve. And Jesus lived his life by this. He not only taught it, but he lived it. In fact, later in that week, he would be demonstrating it again. When, in that last supper, he knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples. Something which back in those days was a very lowly, humble thing. Back in those days, it was a custom that they had, and it was performed by the servant. The lowest servant of the house would come and wash people's feet. It was a practice they had. And yet, Jesus did that to show the importance of serving. And so he calls us to have that same spirit and to to serve Jesus needed a donkey. Okay, why? To make sure that the right message was sent. He is the Lord of the universe and literally created everything, yet he requests a donkey. He needs a donkey. He will not abuse that donkey or even take it for himself. He will use it and then return it. Why did the owner of that donkey agree to let the donkey go? Some people think, oh, maybe he knew Jesus. Maybe Jesus had arranged this with him. Maybe he knew the ministry of Jesus. Maybe yes, is, maybe no. I think it's quite unlikely. Uh, when, When the disciples came to him, they said, the Lord needs it. You must understand, back in those days, the word Lord carried a lot of power, a lot of authority. Lord was somebody who had authority. And when... You were around a Lord, you you simply bowed down. You obeyed the Lord. And so it's a very strong word. And also in the Roman times, there was a law or a principle that they lived by, which is this. That any authority could make use of any animal for transport purposes. It was a law that they had. They had a whole system of communication and transport. And if, if that thing broke down to prevent from breaking down, they had the floor. If they had a horse, a donkey, any animal, and you had one, any one of authority would come and says, I need your animal. And you had to let them use it. Very often it was bye-bye animal because you'd never see it again. Which is not what Jesus does. He says, I'll use it and I'll bring it back here. But so maybe it was that principle when they said the Lord needed. Okay, it understood that in those days, if an animal was needed, he must be taken. And so they agreed. So that's probably what happened over there. But now, there are there some lessons in this episode. There is something to learn from that donkey's relationship with Jesus. That donkey may have been an insignificant animal. But that day, Jesus needed that donkey. Until today, we are talking about that donkey, even even though we know nothing about him. We don't know what his name was, who his owner was. We know nothing. But that day, God used him, and we're still talking about him. So here are four lessons from this event with the donkey. Number one, Jesus needed that donkey. Here's the lesson for you and I. You are needed. Did you hear me? Jesus needs you, me, you, every one of you, you are needed, now, of course, because God is God, technically, he doesn't need anything, right, because if you want something, and he doesn't have it, he just makes it, simple, so technically, he doesn't need anything, And you may be insignificant in the eyes of almighty God. And you might even think, why does he need me? But the fact is, he loves you. He likes you. He wants you. He needs you. That's why you are here. That's why you were born. That's why we are created. To bring joy to him. and Because he wants us to be there. He has chosen each one of us. And... He wants to use us as part of his plan, as part of his redemption story of, of, of changing lives, of saving the world. He wants to use us, all of us. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, before the creation of the world. He prepared those works that you and I might walk in them. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says that he has given us different gifts. And all of us will be given different kinds of talents and abilities and gifts. And God wants us to use these things to his glory. That God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And so God wants you. You are needed. He has chosen us to worship him. Hebrews 13.15 says that we are to bring him the sacrifice of praise. He calls us to surrender our lives to him. He called on the owner of that donkey to surrender the donkey to him. But he gave that donkey back, having participated in a world-changing event. That donkey wasn't the same donkey when it came back. He was enriched. Value had been added to that donkey. And when he calls us to surrender our lives to him, He gives our lives right back to us, doesn't he? But enriched with purpose, with meaning, and with destiny. What did Jesus teach? That if you want to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for his sake, you will find it. Amen. So what did Jesus do by choosing that little animal? He basically was was telling us the following. That if God can use even the most humble and lowly creature for his great glory, imagine how he might use you if you are willing. Huh? We are so much more valuable than a donkey. How much more can He use you and me? That little donkey was part of the great plan of redemption that God had for all creation. When Jesus rode that little donkey into Jerusalem, he was fulfilling prophecy. All that had been spoken of the Messiah and how he would arrive uh, came to life that day. He also proclaimed the kingdom of God. It was a different kind of kingdom than the empire of Rome. It didn't depend on revolution by violence, but it was one of transformation still today. God changes by transformation of the inner man of the heart. The Lord needs it. What if the Lord said that to you? I need you. What if you heard those words? The Lord needs you. I wonder how many Christians would uh, walk around believing less than what they are. And I think many of us do. So many of us think less of us than what we are before the Lord. You might respond to God's call by saying, I am too, and now you can fill in the blank. I am too young, I am too old, I am too tired, I'm too sinful, I'm too busy, I'm too overwhelmed. How many Christians feel they are not able because they are too whatever? Others might respond by saying, why God would use me? Why does he say needs me? When it doesn't seem to be present in my life. Sometimes it seems so distant. Why does he want me? Why doesn't he use someone else? Why, why me? Others might respond by asking, why doesn't God use someone who is holier than me, more clever than me, with more power than me, more studied than me, more eloquent than me? Again, fill in the blank. We find all these excuses when God says, I need you. We go kind of, oh, here I am, Lord, to choose him. <laughs> you know. And yet the Lord is saying, I want you. And deep inside, we all want a little bit more. We'd like to be used by God and we'd like to do something significant with our lives. Listen, you have kingdom purpose. Your mission, your calling, your part in the big story of salvation is that God desires you. God wants you. He needs you to be part of the kingdom and of the work that he's doing right now in the world. He wants us to declare the kingdom of Jesus. Amen? And help reveal that kingdom. You are worth far more than what you know. Get it through your thick skull. You are worth far more than what you know in the eyes of God. So many people destroy themselves and and, and make crazy choices, self-destructive choices. Destroy themselves, destroy others. Because they don't realize how valuable they are to God. Jesus is reminding us today and giving us that message to tell everybody out there, you are more valuable than you know, than you can imagine. Maybe people have believed lies about themselves, lies about God, thinking that maybe God does not desire you. These are lies from the enemy. Remember, you are worth more in the eyes of God Than anything you can imagine. And so if God can use that humble animal. How could he use you? So understand and accept this. You are needed. Okay. Say with me. I am needed. needed. Amen. God has chosen to use you. Just like he chose to use that little donkey. You are precious. Much more than a donkey. If he can use a donkey, how much more he can use you? Listen, number two. You are to carry Jesus. That donkey, his main function, his only function that day was to carry Jesus from point A to point B. That called carry Jesus to Jerusalem and to a multitude of people. And we are to carry Jesus to the multitudes. Okay? You might not be, you know, in other words, we are to bring his message to people around us. Some of us will do it one-to-one. Some of us will do it to groups of people. Some of us to multitudes. But we are all called to carry the message of Jesus, of the kingdom of God. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Jesus says, go into all the world. To all the nations, baptize them and, and teach them to observe all the things of have commanded you. In Mark 15, uh, 16, 15, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And as Jesus chose the young donkey to carry him, Jesus has chosen us to carry his message. Man, Jesus could have chosen angels. Jesus could have created some other being to carry the message, which probably would be more effective than, than me or you. Hey, I mean, imagine, instead of, this little guy preaching in front here. Yeah? you had yourself a, a majestic angel of here. Going from here yeah, to the top of a day with his wings expanded. And thundering the word of God. Everybody be listening. Yeah? And saying, yes sir, yes. And no, no sir. Yes, sir, no. <laughs> and probably the work that would have been done long ago of saving the nation. No. Jesus, humble king. He chooses broken people. You and I. Imperfect people to be the carriers of his message. Life-changing message. World-changing message. Changes our lives not only for this life, but for eternity. Setting us up and preparing us for the kingdom to come. He entrusts this rich, powerful message in our hands and not all of us like I said have to be preachers he gave us different kind of gifts you're going to carry that message in your own way in your place of work in your place of study where you serve where you do your sport talking to people praying for somebody inviting someone to come to church you know sharing your testimony and and, and telling your story of God did for you and, and helping somebody else there are many different ways but we are all scattered in this planet and we are sharing the message of Christ Carriers of the gospel of Jesus. Part of his plan of redemption of the universe. You are needed by him. And you are a carrier of the message. Embrace that today. I'm not talking to the guy next to you or the girl next to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. We are all included in the core. Amen. What else can we learn from this little donkey and his relationship to Jesus? Here's a third lesson. You are to be an instrument of peace. You are to be an instrument of peace. Zechariah 9.9 talks about Jesus coming on a donkey, and we understand now that a donkey was understood and recognized to be an instrument of peace, an animal of peace. When a person came on a donkey, you're saying, Hey, I come in peace. All right, it was a symbol of someone who comes in peace. Jesus went riding on a donkey to make the statement, He's coming in peace, not to make war. In fact, Jesus is what the Prince of Peace, right. And so as his followers, we should be what? Carriers of peace. In in this season, we remember what Jesus did for humanity. Bringing peace with God to all of us. And we should also seek peace. Peace with God and peace with man. We're living in such a time of turmoil. All over the world. You are nations against nations, peoples against peoples, own people against own people, tribe against tribe, and people of the same tribe against people of the same tribe. We need peace in this world. We need God's peace. Man-made peace will not last. Man-made peace lost only until the first guy breaks and then war breaks out again. True peace is from the inside. It's not outside. It's not signed treaties. It is something that happens in the heart. And only Jesus can change a person from the inside. Only the Spirit of God can come in. And we need to allow ourselves to be instruments of peace. Right now in this nation, we need instruments of peace. Not instruments of destruction. We don't change a nation by destroying what is there. We don't change a nation by burning things down. Stoning things. Insulting one another. We build a nation through peace, through dialogue. And if we we'll honor God, He will expose evil. But he, he's looking for instruments of peace. People he can and listen, believe me, there are they are there folks. They are there scattered throughout government, throughout the different parties, throughout society, throughout all the different jobs and the different you know, streams of society in education, in law, in entertainment. They are there. They are children of God in all those places. Being instruments of peace, instruments of reconciliation. And I invite you today, if you haven't embraced that calling it embrace that call. No matter where you are working, no matter what you are doing. Be it in school, place of work, place of recreation, sport, university, whatever it is. Be an instrument of peace. Build bridges. Diffuse storms and volatile situations. That is our calling. And it can be done. This has been repeated over and over. Because we live in a fallen world. And and throughout the centuries. There have been wars and rumors of wars. And God's people have always been there. And bringing peace. And what happens? Once peace is there. Sin comes again. And somebody or some group will rise up again. And start nonsense all over again. It's the cycle of humanity. Because of a fallen human race and that's why the gospel needs to keep on being preached and preached and carried until jesus comes listen the day is coming is going to return the king didn't complete his job totally he came to redeem us and then he went to heaven he says guys take this message to all the world i am going to come back and i am going to reign We'll touch a little bit of that next Sunday. But the the work is still not over. We are still in a process of change. Jesus is going to return. And whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to be judged and punished for being against Jesus? And behaving like the palookas of this world? Or are you going to be accepted because you've accepted Jesus? And maybe you've even suffered for Jesus because the way of the Lord is a way of suffering sometimes. But it's the way of peace, the way of reconciliation, the way of bringing eternal change to humanity. And he calls us to be instruments of peace. And perhaps it's a good time for us to remember the peace prayer. You know, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Whether it is hatred, let me sow love. And I think at the end of the service, we must say this prayer together and keep it in our hearts during this season. You see, for too many people, folks, and for too long, Christians have been a symbol of judgment, of war, of hostility, of conflict. Unfortunately, uh, we have moments in our history as Christian church that we are not proud of. Where there were leaders, We, we drifted away from God and used power to cause war. We have fought amongst ourselves. We've criticized one another, denomination against denomination. And the world is watching this. And many have lost faith in the faith because of the bad testimony. And so we need to change that, that perception. You'll take every one of us working together at this, being forgiving, being loving. You can seek justice without being hostile and destructive and disrespectful. As Christians, you can fight for your justice without losing your dignity, without stooping down to the level of sinners. Amen? It can be done. So let us be instruments of peace in our world. Amen? One more that you can learn from that donkey. We'll close here. Point number four. As Christ is worshipped, you are to be forgotten. Now, what do I mean by that? As Christ is worshipped, you are to be forgotten. You see, when when that horse started coming along, people noticed the horse. They did. Because that horse had a message to bring. Okay, oh, he's got a horse. Look, look, there's a horse. Can you see there's a horse? He's coming on the horse. Yeah, there's a horse. Horse, Which means he's coming in peace. And they made the connection with the prophecy, Zechariah. The The donkey. Sorry, yeah, you got so, thank you very much. I get excited, I made mistakes too. He didn't come on a horse, came on a donkey. Edit this out the donkey. Look at the donkey, he's coming on a donkey. Yeah, okay, there's the donkey. Oh, the donkey. <laughs> and what happened is this the donkey sent a clear message. But as Jesus got closer and as he entered into town, and people are cheering and so on, guess what? Nobody was thinking of the donkey anymore, they were cheering Jesus. Now the focus is on Jesus. Oh, he's going to save us. Oh, he's going to save us. And the focus went from the donkey to Jesus. And so it must be in our lives. Yes, we are carers of his message. And maybe the first thing people will see is you bringing the message. It's you preaching. It's you sharing your story. It's you making a connection at work. But you know what? As we help people to get closer to Jesus, the focus must be on Jesus. John the Baptist stated it well when he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Folks, it's not about us, it's about him. It is so easy to be proud, it is so easy to get offended, it is so easy to do all sorts of things. But it's not what we are being called to do. Christ must increase. Let's look at him, let's praise him. Easy to praise men. And even men of God sometimes. They get so high and mighty. And people go, whoa, the man of God. You know? uh, uh, uh. Christ must increase. We must decrease. It's not about the man, the prophet, the pastor, the bishop, the brother, the this, the that. Huh? It's about Jesus. He must increase. And the more we worship him, the more we serve him, the more we call people unto him. He must be worshipped. And we must decrease. Now, folks. Those are the little four lessons from the donkey, and on that day, as people were shouting and so on, and you know they didn't understand some of these things. They shouted, but they did not they didn't grasp what was going on. For most of them, <clears throat> their joy was based on their self-centered ideals. They were oppressed and they wanted a deliverer. They wanted somebody like King David to come into Jerusalem and get rid of the Romans and give them their freedom. That is why they cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna means, save us, O God, save us, O Lord. And that's why they shouted, blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. You see, they were making a connection to the glory days of Israel. In the days of David and his son Solomon, it was glory days of Israel. It was a powerful nation, a free nation, and they want that back. They don't want to be under these Romans, having to eat spaghetti and pizza. No, man, they want something else. They want Jewish stuff, man. And so they wanted the deliverer. They would have preferred a king on a horseback and an army behind him. But since Jesus had the reputation of doing miracles, feeding multitudes and and raising the dead, perhaps he could use his powers, use his powers to get rid of the Romans. But it didn't happen. It did not happen. And many who on that Sunday were shouting, Hosanna! Five days later, on Friday, were shouting, crucify him! Why? They were expecting something else. They had a different expectation of the king. But the humble king stayed focused on his mission. This is what he had come for. His battle was much bigger than defeating the Romans. He had come to defeat the power of sin, to destroy the The works of the devil. And that he did. He died. And he paid the price for our sins. Then he rose from the dead. To prove that he was everything that he said he was. And today he is alive. Amen. And that is what we will celebrate next Sunday. I'd like to end this meeting by going back to that point. We are instruments or carriers of peace. And I wonder if um, we couldn't just together say the peace prayer. I'm going to put it on the, on the board, on the screen here. And I wonder if we can all stand. We're going to close the meeting after this in prayer. Can we all stand, please? And let's, let's say the prayer. Read it together, okay? Read it out loud together. And then I will close with a blessing. And folks, spend this week remembering the events of that week. You know, open your Bible. Read, you know, from the entrance to Jerusalem all the way to the crucifixion. Remember what we remember this week, the life of Jesus, the most important week of his life, the most significant week. Most of the gospels are go around that last week of his life. And um, Thursday we'll get together, remember the Last Supper, and then on Sunday we'll celebrate the resurrection. So I hope you guys were able to be part of that. Let's, let's read this together. Lord, Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master... And so, Father, we come to you knowing that to surrender our lives to you is to really gain our lives. And let's pray that, before I continue praying, just uh, just take a moment to think about what you've heard here today. And maybe the Lord has been speaking to you as I've been preaching. Maybe you felt the nudge of God wanting to use you and you've been finding excuses. Maybe this morning is the day to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus yet. You've been, you've been looking at Christianity, you've been looking at the world, you've been, you've been torn between two worlds. Maybe today the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart and saying, come on, give me your life. And then you'll truly find your life. Why don't you surrender your life to Jesus right now? And say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I need you. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. Maybe even as a believer, you've been struggling. You've been looking around and, 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 and the, the things that's happening in this world have been upsetting you and enjoying turmoil and maybe some anger issues and so forth. Why don't you surrender today and say, Lord, you call me to be an instrument of peace. I don't understand everything. But embrace this prayer and say, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Use me, Lord. Help me to get over anything in my heart. Bitterness, unforgiveness. Help me to put all these things aside and be an instrument of peace. Whatever your prayer is, do that right now quietly before you and the Lord. Let him touch you today. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit is here, Lord. And you hear every individual's prayer. You touch each and every one, O oh God. And so Lord, here we are, Father. As you use that little donkey, why don't you use us as well, Lord? And so much more. Use us to carry your message. Use us as instruments of peace. And as we live our lives and as we follow you, may you increase and we decrease for the glory of your name. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us until we see him again. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your Sunday. Hope to see you guys on Thursday night for our last supper service and on Sunday for our resurrection service. God bless you.